God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. It's great to be with you. My name is Marcus Ortega, and as always, I am joined by the astounding Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? Well, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So um, we just got a dog. Yeah, and I, I saw talk about that. This before. Yeah, Huckleberry we just got a dog. Finn. Huckleberry Finn was already named when we got him, okay. and I have shortened this to Huck. Because I am not going to be trying to like chase this dog down screaming Huckleberry Finn at the top of my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't about that. But Huck uh, is a new addition to the family, so we're very excited to have him, and uh, the kids are excited. So happy times in the Ortega household with Huck. How are you doing? All right, that's great. So new household, new new house. I don't know if we've told our listeners. That oh, have, have we not? Yeah, you have not that you all bought a house. We uh, did, and now you yes. have a dog. Do you have the, the white picket yeah. fence? That that's what I want to know. No, that's why I don't think he's gonna get out and run around. I gotta build the white picket fence still. <laughs> no, you know, God's blessed us. Um we were able to to buy a house. Uh you know, housing prices dropped pretty dramatically during COVID. Um, and we were able to to purchase then and and we just are so grateful to the Lord for for this gift and it's good for us because you know, we've been here in New York now for a couple years, and this is a way for us to um, we'd already decided we were here for a long time. This kind of communicates, hey, we're here. We bought our house. We're putting down roots, that kind of thing. So it's good. How how are you guys doing? How's how's life in Virginia? Life in Virginia is fine. Life in Virginia right now is hot. It is. Well, so this uh, we're recording this on October 23rd. It was in the low 80s today. So Ooh. on one hand, I am watching leaves turn and fall uh-huh. and flip-flops. And short sleeves. I'm like, I am not in California anymore. What is going on? Oh, man. You know, a friend of mine, uh, his girlfriend lives in one of the Dakotas. I can't remember which. And she flew in. And I saw a picture from the air, from the plane. And there's snow on the ground. And, and I'm here in New York. And we didn't hit the 80s. We were definitely mid-70s. And, uh, yeah, a little bit strange, man. I don't want to be out here in a tank top on Halloween. I tell you what, this better get shifted. Yeah, I'm ready. And I was complaining, <laughs> too, and I had to watch my grumbling. Because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm sounding like one of the, you know, the, the Israelites. Or, you know, coming, you know, walking oh, through man. the wilderness, complaining about the manna. Um, it That's gets right, because in, like, in like four months, we're going to be saying, why is it so cold Why here? is it so cold? So, why can't it be in the mid-80s? <laughs> Oh, good times. So it's, uh, you know, it's going well. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before. And this actually uh, kind of ties into our topic for today's episode. Mm-hmm. So I have been um, co-teaching a class, a Zoom class, with one of the elders on uh, the topic of racial healing. 
And it awesome. actually was developed from a workshop that I did a couple of years ago at a woman's conference. Actually, it was a pre-conference workshop, so it was like three hours. When they told me it was a three-hour, <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? Are you sure you don't mm. need somebody else? Um, but believe it or not, I, we had a couple small breaks, but believe it or not, I actually ran out of time. And here I was worried, huh. like, how in the world am I going to fill that up? And I actually ran out of time. But it is... Um, I, and I wanted to treat the topic, and we, so we, we're using that material as the basis for, you know, we've, okay. we've added some things, but really it is a biblical look at racism. It is, how do we, let's, first let's look at how this thing developed from the time of the fall. Of course, you know, there's no such thing as race in the Bible. There's one human race. Right. Um, right. I know we're, we're probably going to get into that a little we bit. We are. Uh, in this episode. Um, but but what happens to the disposition of of people? You know, uh, look at the first man and the first woman. What happened when uh, you know when they fell? You know, and how there was this shift towards you know towards blame, towards looking at the other. What Carl Ellis calls creaturism. Right. Well, we set our own standards. And so, mm -hmm. it, you know, so I, so part of the class is looking through scripture about mm -hmm. how that works out. And oh, by the way, what happens when that takes on a group mentality? Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at. So let's see how that plays out in history. So right now we are on the history section. Um, I am, of course, you know, we're taking turns and um, Glenn covered uh, the 1400s to 1619. And okay. I am covering slavery and reconstruction next week. So I'm light subjects. You're doing subject. the whole thing in one week? In one week, 40 minutes, baby. That's it. <laughs> oh, my. 200 years. Okay. Look, Glenn did it. I know oh. I can do it too. Um, you I'm know, it's, for you. yeah, it's uh, talking points. But, you know, really just, just, just touching on the, um, you know, sort of like the main, the main, you know, how this thing developed. And, and oh, and where was the, the church? In all of this. And that's something that I think, you know, we, history is useful. We don't want to stay stuck in history. We don't want to impose history on the present. We want to treat the present as, it, you know, understanding where history has bought us. But at the same time, we can't deny it. We have to be honest about all of the ugly stuff, you know, in history, including the church's complicity. Yeah. So that's yeah. you know it's a hard look. I actually sent out a um, a few links yesterday. We have a you know like a um, an internal communication system, uh, like a uh, I want to call it a website, but it's a, you know it's a church internal communication system. And so one of the links that I sent, a couple of the links that I sent out was around Robert Louis Dabney, who as you know had some very uh, very egregious views. About yeah, persons no, of African, horrifying. Uh, they're very horrifying, um, but but not out of not out of pocket for whatever a lot of people were at that time. No. So that yeah, so that's um you know then we'll talk about present day stuff and really bring it you know bring it to Jesus. Um, okay. Where you know how do we how do we resolve all of this? Um, so that. That's so. That is what is going on here in Virginia, and and, okay. and now we're gonna now we're gonna talk about it in this episode. So I'm 
Yeah, kind of full on the topic right now. (laughs) Man, I hope I hope people listen graciously. I hope people listen uh, with an open heart and open mind. Um, We are tackling this subject. This is this is one of those episodes that helps us move into future episodes. It's a little bit of uh, definition, and because as we're going to see, we have different definitions. It will lead to different approaches to the topic of racism and the conversations around, um, you know, these present day manifestations of racism. Is it racism? Is it not? All that kind of stuff. So um, this is an important episode that we're going to probably refer back to. And I, I, in later episodes, we'll encourage you to come back and listen to this one, because if you don't know how I am defining a term differently than Lisa might be defining a term, and it's going to cause us to have to um speak those definitions, I think, again and again to explain clearly where we're coming from, what we mean. If you don't understand the definitions, you're not going to understand the conversation and you're going to misunderstand and think we're saying some pretty terrible things that we're not actually saying. Um, And so knowing the definitions is going to be key. Um, And we are asking the question, what is race? What is racism? Um, These are the, so let's take them one at a time. What is race and what is racism? Lisa, you've been teaching, so I'm going to defer to you. Go first. Let's start with race. What is race? Race. Well, so we know if we look through scripture, right, and I, and I touched on this a couple of minutes ago, we see there's one human race. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That human race uh, eventually evolved into um, many, many different ethnicities. Um, but this concept of race, that people are categorized based on their biology mm-hmm. and place of origin that really did not come about i would say the trickle started maybe in the 1500s but definitely very um entrenched um once you know, once um the uh, you know and then develop the early development of this country and it became more defined specifically the, you know, this, this notion of a white race and a black race. Um, yeah. And it was more solidified with, um, you know, once Darwin started uh, promoting his theories um, that you have this gradation of, mm-hmm. you know, of categories um, that are based on race. And it only fueled this idea that there is a superior race and there is an inferior race. And of course, this was the whole basis that carried slavery, that made yeah. slavery permissible because it was deemed that the black race and, you know, and it was fueled by, um, you know, distorted uh, readings of the Bible, like, you know, coming up with notions of the, the curse of Ham um, that, you know, that made this idea of gradation of races um, acceptable, but we need to acknowledge that race was a way that people, humans, categorized um, others, and really it was designed to subjugate. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, here in, in this, we are we are very much in agreement. Um, race, it, this is where it's difficult, right? We want to talk about all things with biblical definitions, but there very specifically is not a biblical definition for race because this concept is not biblical. This is a uh, fallen construct that has been imposed uh, from one set of people to another set of people for the 
for the purpose of subjugation, for power, for, um, you know, in some respects for greed. You know, there's one uh, very popular author. He, he traces it back and argues that it starts in 1452. Like, he just gives a year. And he says it's, it happens in Portugal in 1452 when they need to make more money. In order to make more money, they enslave a group of Africans. And in order to justify the slavery, they come up with the concept of race to justify the policy that they had in place there. Hmm. Now, that I think that's a fascinating historical piece of information. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's exactly when race begins. He claims that's the origin of, of racial ideas. But we do see that there is this, it is a, a desire to subjugate and use others, mm -hmm. often for the sake of your own comfort or your own good or your own pleasure. Right. And that really, I mean, and I don't think we can down, we should downplay the economic motivation that was undergirding this classification. Um, and especially when you talk about the trans transatlantic slave trade. I mean, that was yeah. all economic based. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I always take, it takes me back to that, that passage, you know, Paul tells Timothy, in First Timothy six, you know, for the love of money yeah. is the root of all evil. Yeah, amen. That's that's exactly where this, and this is why, when when we get into some of the more current event conversations, mm -hmm. um, you will find that it becomes difficult to talk about concepts like racism apart from economics. Um, they they go together because they've always kind of gone together. Um, and and listen, I also want to clear the air real quick and just put uh -oh. this out there. Here we go. Listen, folks, by saying there is an economic connection to racism does not mean that Lisa and I are Marxists. Lisa, can I make a confession to you right now? Make your confession. I'm a capitalist. Yay. I am. I believe in capitalism. I think capital. Well, that's not an episode about capitalism, but it, it, big picture, I'm a capitalist. And here's what I know. I did not. I was not an economic theorist. I'm not an economist, but I do know this much. You cannot be a capitalist and a Marxist at the same no, time. No, you cannot. <laughs> that is impossible. <laughs> so Lisa is the only Marxist here, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and <laughs> Of course not. But um, there is this connection with uh, between economics and race, and race is this construct that was created for the subjugation of people. That's why it exists. It is not a benign thing. Uh, it is not creational. And so this is why I don't typically use language of race. I don't like to use language of race. I much mm -hmm. rather prefer the, the language of ethnicity because ethnicity or people group, the ethnos, that is a biblical category. That yes. is a biblical term. Um, and that demonstrates the beautiful diversity of God's created order the beautiful uh, diversity of his humanity. And each and every human being is like the crown jewel of creation we find mm -hmm. in, in Genesis 6. Um, and skin color, while it can sometimes point towards ethnicity, it is not definitive of right. ethnicity. And, um, you know, I, I think I prefer the category of ethnicity because it's a biblical category. Um so let me ask you this, then, Lisa, because you're teaching the class. So now I just get to ask the teacher. Oh, Lord. If ethnicity is the biblical category and not race, why are we using 
the construct of race? Well, because unfortunately, we have this horrid history of race, of what race, mm. what people have done with race, that of course is translated into racism. And, you know, you can't, you can't really ignore or dismiss what that imposition has caused. You have to, uh, you have to address that first to get back to the original concept of how, how of how God intended it, which is one race. Yeah. Um, and this is where I find some of the some of the tensions in the body of Christ, right? Because you know the, the question is, okay, so if we have racism, if, if there's only one race, but then we have this we have this false construct, and the way that that's false, that false construct has worked its way out. In order to find resolution, do we focus on the false construct, or do we get, or do we address it as if it's false, and then, you know, and then base everything on the original intention, which was one race? And of course, I, and I would say it's both and, because you have to understand how this, you know, this centuries of, you know, of this imposition of, and how it impacted people, how it impacted the country, mm. how it impacted systems. Um, now, don't go calling us a Marcus, Marxist because I, I, I said the word systems. We're going to break it down, calm down. <laughs> So, but, but, but we can't, I mean, you know, slavery was a system, right? Yeah. Jim Crow, that was a system. So, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, we had actually had laws in the books that, mm -hmm. you know, that created barriers for persons of African descent. So yeah. we need to deal honestly with what that, you know, what these false constructs created mm -hmm. while at the same time, acknowledging how it was intended to be. And this is where I find uh, some of the tensions in the church, because on one hand, you have, we get, you know, we can get out of balance, right? So on one hand, you have folks who say rightly that there's only one race, the human race. And then you kind of stay there and not want to deal with or acknowledge how this false construct impacted things, mm -hmm. Right. But then on the flip side, on the other side of that imbalance are those who, um, you know, that it's all about the false construct. And to the extent where I wonder, it's like, hey, there's an original intention here we need to get back to, you know. Mm -hmm. And especially in, as Christians in the church, you know, we need to, you know, really need to base our relationships on that while also dealing with the way that this false construct has created uh, tensions. Well, and, and the false construct has affected each and every one of us um, because, and I'm, I'm borrowing a term here from uh, a book from back in 2000 called Divided by Faith. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I personally would commend that book. I'm not going to say Lisa commends it. I don't know if you do or not. I've but not I commend, read it, believe it or not. I, mean, I, not, I have uh, not read yeah. it. Divided by Faith, uh, 20 years old now. Um, was an incredibly helpful study of why there was such, uh, still is such profound segregation within the church. 
um, around issues of race. And, and they say up front, you know, this is not necessarily a biblical category, but they use a term called racialization, mm-hmm. um, where the, the idea of race has so permeated every aspect of our social consciousness that we can't just ignore like that it's there. Um, you know, another example of this would be Darwinism, right? Um, you, Darwinism has impacted almost everything in American and Western culture. We don't have to be full-blown materialist evolutionists. Absolutely not. But you also can't ignore the way that the construct of evolution and the materialism of evolution, how that's impacted our society. Well, it's the same way with race. You don't have to embrace race as a biblical concept, but you can't ignore it because we live in a racialized society now. And and that has been really from the beginning of, of our country and and really the Western world. Like we, we, t- we focus on the U.S. because we're in the U.S., right. but like the, slavery is not um, an original thing for the U.S. No. And chattel slavery and the slavery that uh, the enslaving of Africans is not original to the U.S. That was brought here uh, from Europe, and so um, you know we're talking about really the whole Western world when we're talking about the this kind of race racist way of doing slavery. There are other ways of doing slavery. Mm-hmm. Ours was specifically a racist way of doing slavery. Yes, but I get ahead of myself because I use a different word there that we now have to define. Okay, so speaking of definitions, then how, what is your definition of racism? Racism. Now, this may be where we have a disagreement, because we're on the same page when it comes to race. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, but we may have a disagreement here, and that's okay. Um, I'm going to use a definition that I think is helpful from... um, a book that I personally have been really uh, helped by, I think is a very um, well-written and thoughtful book by Jamar Tisby. It's called The Color of Compromise, uh, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism. You mentioned in your um, conversations at your church, the, the way the church has been complicit over the years. Really, this is a historical survey of that. And not everybody might agree with his definitions or his, um, his conclusions, but um, the historical survey, I think pretty much everybody has said, is a pretty solid historical survey. Um, I've heard that now, too. Yeah, and, and even his critics have acknowledged that it's a, it's a good historical survey. Now, I'm going to say, you know, this is a definition I found helpful. He's quoting a scholar by the name of Beverly Daniel Tatum, uh, who was a president of, um, I think Sperling is the name of the, well, Spellman, Spellman, sorry. Um, here's a shorthand definition. Racism is a system of oppression based on race. Or another definition would be racism is prejudice plus power. Mm. And so it is a, um, it includes what many people would think of when they say racism. I hate you because you are black or I hate you because you are white. Um, It includes that, that's prejudice. But to get to racism, what I would say is, so you move out of interpersonal one-to-one prejudice, you get to racism when now you have the power to impose your prejudice on the people that you hate or on the people that you devalue. Um, and so 
you know, before we recorded, even Lisa, you said, is there a category of systemic racism for me? Because you knew the definition I was going to give you. Um, And and I, I tend to think that the terms racism and systemic racism are somewhat redundant because in, in my understanding of racism, it always has the system in mind. Um, systems are always a part of it. And it is sometimes worked out and evidenced in the personal prejudice from one person to another. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you bring power to bear, now you get racism as well. Um, and that might be a different definition than some people have, but that is a, a very common working definition, and it is uh, the one that I use as well. That's racism for me. But what is racism for you? For that, yeah. And I would say, you know, so part of that I agree with, the, the fact that it's, it's, preju- it's prejudice and it's acted out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of, oh, I have this, this level of prejudice in my heart, but now I've expressed that in some way. And so, and it is, I mean, we can, you know, people can have racist attitudes. Um, and, and that, eventually that's going to come out, you know, mm, in, in yeah. some kind of way, either through an express thought or through an action. I don't agree with the fact that power is a necessary component of racism. Um, okay. I think that power, um, that racism can result in power, but I don't think it's I don't I don't think that that's fair to include it as a definition because, you know, and you know, and you say that it's, you know, that coincide or it's re, it's redundant with systemic racism where you can have racism it doesn't have to be systemic, um, you know, once you have a, you know, a person or enough people sort of making decisions on a system that impacts another group of people, then it turns into systemic racism, but you certainly can have racism without the power dynamic. Um, here's an example. Here's an example. So let's say in a, in, you know, in a, in a classroom, you know, there's, um, you know, a few, few little white kids that, you know, pick, like they, they, they don't like the little black kids. And so they pick on them. Um, and, you know, you know, is that power that that's expressing a prejudicial attitude against somebody else? Well, the black kids can come back and impose their own power. So, you know, so I don't know that it necessarily entails having, you know, that it has to have power. Um, Mm -hmm. and definitely not, um, at a systemic level. Okay. So in that example of uh, the kids mm-hmm. in the school, mm-hmm. I think where where I go from saying, yes, that's prejudice, absolutely, where it becomes racism for me is if the school or if the teacher mm-hmm. then allows the white kids to get away with it or mm-hmm. ignores the white kids or tacitly approves of what the white kids are doing, mm-hmm. and now the power dynamic is there, but if the black kids come in and try and exert their power, if you will, mm-hmm. if the teacher then disciplines the black kids, mm-hmm. we now have racism running amok. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you're right. I, I don't know that it's a as neat a line as maybe I'm trying to define it. It might be a little more porous than that. But I, I do think that 
my definition includes kind of a um, historical and social dimension that um, another definition of racism that would just be personal animosity from one person to another based on skin color. Um, they don't have that kind of historical and social construct included necessarily well, within a bald definition of racism. Right. And, 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 you know, and so when I use that definition, I'm not necessarily confining it to an individual. Like you can okay. have a group of people mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. have race. I mean, there are racist cultures, you know, you can go into a racist work culture. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I had a question and I just, Lost. Oh, and so, and here's, and here's the, the problem for me when you define it as power, because then what happens, you know, again, I know that this is going to be a little bit of a challenge because of the history, right? Because yeah, yeah. when you look at racism, like who has been on the receiving end of, of that racism, but can there not be situations and not just on an individual basis, but on, you know, on a collective basis where there's hate of, let's say, those who have been historically marginalized towards other groups, maybe towards, towards whites. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say, yes, is that not racism? And I would say, yes. But the problem is, once you, once you define it in terms of systemic, in terms of power, well, then you, you take away that dimension. And I think that that's, for especially from a Christian perspective, we lose that sin. You know, we lose the ability to really uh, to tackle that particular sin. So mm. you can have, you know, let's. I mean, let's 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 just you know do a little reversism here. So you know, you have a historically black church, and so a white person comes in, right? And people are like, what is that? We don't want, we don't, we don't want that white person here. Right. So if you don't, if you define it as, as power systemic, and especially from a historical perspective, well, now you, you don't really have the ability to address that particular sin. Like, why are you treating that brother like that? Okay. So I think, you know, I think that's a really good um, rejoinder, although I don't think that I do lose the ability to confront that sin. Because I'm not saying prejudice is not sinful. I think it absolutely is. Prejudice is 100% sinful to hate anybody for any reason, particularly one that they cannot control, is a sinful disposition. Um, so I, I don't, and, and thank because this gives me the opportunity to be explicit about this. I am not saying that um, prejudice is not sinful. I'm also not saying that racism is somehow more sinful than prejudice or that prejudice is more sinful than racism. Mm -hmm. I'm simply saying here are the way I use these two particular words. So here's the example, right? Say you have uh, a community of color who has grown to really hate white folks. Mm -hmm. um, that's a very prejudiced community, mm -hmm. thoroughly. As soon as they have the power to... Um, in to impose their prejudice and their hatred onto the white folks, now you get racism. And that's why I do believe, I, I, I don't believe in the statement that only white folks can be racist. Okay, but only, but racism can only happen if the power is there. And that is why historically in the United States, 
only white folks have been racist. But that doesn't have to always be the case. That's not a truism across the board um, because I see power dynamic in place. So if you go to another country where it's flipped and white folks are, are the, the, the prejudice, an anti-white prejudice is there and power is now able to impose that prejudice onto the lives of the white folks, that's racism. And the skin color itself does not matter. The historical, to use a, a Aristotelian term, the historical accident of the United States is that that has been white folks with the power and able to oppress black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a straight up statement, white people can't be racist, I mean, black people can't be racist, I think is just, it's, it's an unnecessary truism. Mm-hmm. I think when you say historically in the United States, racism has been white versus black white against black and that the only way you could have any form of quote-unquote reverse racism is if the people of color had the power to impose their prejudice against white folks Mm -hmm. and if we get there well then guess what we get to fight that one like wherever we find the sin we fight it um so that's kind of where i'm where i'm at I, i think that's where I'm using these terms. And each of them, prejudice and racism, are each sinful and need to be addressed by the church. Okay. Yeah, I I I I am still not I'm still not convinced. Oh, that's that okay. <laughs> but I think one thing we can agree on is the fact that we need to fight sin where it is. And by and that is why I prefer the lang- the biblical language of partiality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because how, you know, we get into these, you know, the secular terms, but I think we could definitely agree that part on partiality and where there is partiality, right, per James 2, 1, show no partiality. Yeah, in his his example, it was the rich and the poor. But Mm -hmm. we can do that in a variety of different ways. And that's our goal, isn't it? Um, And particularly in the church. Um is to show no partiality. And this is my concern, too. Again, it's, you know, when you talk about the imbalance, well, how do you address racism, right? Or, you know, based on the fact that it's a false construct and there is one one race. Um, and that's where I get concerned about the imbalance. Because yeah. we, you know, because we want to preserve the peace and purity of the church. Amen, amen. And I hear that concern. And I do think it is possible to get so caught up in kind of an anti-racist fight that you lose sight of the whole point of this fight. The whole point of this fight is to see God glorified in his church. Um, that's why we're about this. And, um, you know, so I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that's the thing we have to eventually get back to. What you were saying earlier, I think, is really helpful. We have to get back to there is one race. In fact, the fight against racism, the way we're able to truly kill racism is by pointing out, actually, there is one God. He is creator of one humanity. Boom. That's how we get rid of racism. Now, how do we begin to value one another within their ethnicity? How do we elevate people um, and love people and strengthen people and say, hey, look how God made you. You are beautiful and made in his image. And really just celebrate that. And and that's why, while we have to have these definitions, I think, because of the racialized society we're in, like I said, I don't like them. I don't prefer them. I'd much rather use biblical constructs because um, I think 
I think the Bible does, in the end, give us the tools we need to do this. I don't mind using secular tools to help out when they can. Mm -hmm. But man, our main uh, our main weapon in this world is the scriptures. That's the sword. Amen. So, um, we've been going for a minute. Do you want to add anything to uh, your definitions or your thoughts or any last messages? To no, I, I will say this. And, and I know we hadn't talked about this. I don't know whether it's appropriate for another episode. Maybe, you know, it comes up. So this issue of colorblindness, right? Mm, yeah. Um, when we hear colorblindness, we automatically think, oh, that means you don't see me, right? We don't see race. Yeah. And we really shouldn't see race. Like you said, I absolutely agree with you. We should, we should rather see ethnicity. But... We should also see, and, and again, in agreement with you, the, you know, the wonderful creative rainbow, you know, mm -hmm. that God made. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, I, I do have the sense that when we think about, you know, where our identity is anchored, when I see another brother and sister in Christ, I am firmly committed to seeing them as brother and sister in Christ first. And whatever they are, whatever their identity was you know, yellow, pink, yeah, you know, <laughs> brown, mm -hmm. whatever their ethnicity, whatever their, you know, occupation, whatever is that kind of falls secondary. And so when you when we think about our definitions and 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 you know God's in context of God's original intent that there is one race. And then when you look at you know, so there, there's two categories of people, right? They're his people and there's not his people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so looking at those who are his people, you know, I, I just say, I don't want to say we should be colorblind, but in a way, yes, first, that we're not, you know, we're not focused on that. You're not, we're not judging, evaluating, accepting based on, those yeah. those physical characteristics characteristics or ethnicity, but we're not ignoring them either. We're not denying them, right? We're and we're acknowledging the cultural makeup, the cultural mm -hmm. context that that comes with. Yeah, you know, I think I think the way you're approaching this term is different than maybe it's used by most people. Um, you know, within that context, I could say sure, uh, obviously. We, I, I say obviously, maybe I shouldn't say obviously. We do not prioritize the way we view one another um, uh, based on skin color or culture or ethnicity or anything. That's not the primary lens in the church. In the church, the primary lens is, um, you know, daughter of the king or son of the king. That's our primary lens. But where, where I think colorblindness was initially this like good idea or at least it was an attempt to do something well as you know a lot of people took it from dr king's speech right not to be judged on the color of your skin but to be judged on the content of your character and they said well then therefore we don't need to see the color of their skin uh missing that just earlier he'd been talking about black boys and white boys black girls and white girls and obviously the skin color was there um i i agree with you we don't need to prioritize skin color first by any stretch of the imagination mm -hmm. I just think that if people are going to start using the term colorblindness, again, what what do you mean by that? Tell me your definition. Let's talk that through. Because if you mean I just don't see color or I just don't care, well, no, please care because look what God did. Right. Look what God did. Yes, like he put this together. So don't don't not care. Okay. Care without judging. 
but care. Right. You know, don't have a value judgment on my skin color, but do uh, unless it's a positive one of look at what God has done. <laughs> you there know, you no go. negative value. Okay, there you I go. agree with that. Yes. All right, cool. Hey, we got to jump off. We've been doing this for a little while now. We're going to go right back into this again next week. Um, but thank you for being with us. We're so glad that you're with us for difficult conversations, but good conversations. Lisa, thank you again for for our talk and uh, family discussion, friends. We will see you next week. God bless. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion. Thank you.